What is up everyone and welcome to Combo's Court and I am Combo. This installment is a recording from the Veterans Minimum Podcast which was recorded this morning in person. Had a fantastic conversation with the host of the Veterans Minimum, Nick Diaz. We talked NBA Finals and more. Can't wait for you all to hear it. Go subscribe to the Veterans Minimum Podcast. Let's get into it combo back in the building my guy we're going to talk a little bit about the nba finals uh overall man how you feeling about the finals is one one now we're going back to boston uh two completely different games played and there's a lot of different talking points i want to touch on this pod and i'm excited that you're on because you kind of have you kind of do certain things that i really really like that are going to tie into this pod that we're mm. going to do now but before we get into the nitty-gritty. You got gritty. themes and stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah. I got themes, man. I got themes for this one. But how do you feel about the finals so far through two games? Two very different games. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the role players in game one uh, played a lot better. Like Al Horford, Peyton Pritchard. Um, Marcus Smart is not really a role player. He's actually probably their third guy when it comes to offense. He didn't play as well. He didn't shoot it as good. Steph has been great throughout the whole series pretty much. And Draymond, there was a huge difference in his mentality. From yeah. game one to game two, he was really feisty. Probably almost got teched out of that game. But it definitely changed the dynamic of the series. And also, GP2 coming back for game two was huge for them. He's kind of like the Warriors' Bruce Brown. He means so much for that team. He could just guard multiple positions. And him and Draymond on defense were just phenomenal in this game. And uh, Clay struggled a little bit. You know, he had a he had some big shots in the third quarter, but struggled a little bit. And Jason Tatum also played totally different from game one to game two. Scored a lot more in game two. But in game one, I think it really benefited the Celtics that he was more of a facilitator and he was starting up their driving kick game. So it felt like to me he wanted to get his buckets up. He wanted to score more in this game. But I don't know if it was beneficial for the Celtics overall. Mm. Well, that was the thing, right? Like I, I feel like the, the big takeaway from game one is you know Derek White, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Derek White's they, a big they one, hit yeah. like 15 threes, right? And even yes. Draymond Green after the game is like, well, they ain't going to do that every game. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot of truth to that, obviously, right? You can't expect that all the time. But then the counter to that would be like, well, Tatum wasn't going to score 12 points like he did or 13 points like he yes. did in game one. So the regression to the mean for both was going to level out, right? Like Tatum drops 25 like effortlessly. So maybe those extra... 12 to 15 points for Tatum makes up for the the four or five threes that those guys aren't going to hit. So there's a level playing field there. So there was a lot of truth to what Draymond Green said. But on the flip side, I was like, yeah, well, Tatum, that was like the worst game Tatum played from a shooting standpoint and scoring. But he facilitated. I think he had he tied like Magic Johnson. He had 13 assists, I think. Yeah, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, and one other player, like Hall of Fame legend. Was it Stockton? Sounds like it should be Stockton. It was like the most the most assists they had in a debut finals game. Oh, it was like one of those numbers. Gotcha. And it's like, well, Tatum really, you know, and uh, apparently the 13 assists he had equated to 37 points for them. So, you know, that's big too. So His facilitating got a lot better over the years. Yeah. yeah. I think he developed that like that whatever it takes mentality. So maybe a guy like that comes out and he might not have it first quarter. And it's like, you know what? He has it. He's hot. Derek White's hot. Al Horford's hitting and then you look in game two, the polar opposites, right? Like Al Horford had two points. He didn't take a shot until like the second half. Yes. Derek White continued to play well. Yes. Marcus Smart, you're right. He's 
he's not a role player for them. Like he's, they rely on him, you know, like he's a big part of yes, what they yes. do. Even his he's their third creator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was interesting to see the dynamic change between game one and game two for the Celtics in that sense. Most definitely. It's true. After game one, the Warriors and the Celtics fans both had things to be excited about. Before the series started, I had Warriors in seven and I do think that's how it's going to go. But it's a really interesting dynamic between these two teams. You know, the way the Celtics were playing in game one, it did feel like their length and athleticism bottled up what the Warriors do. But I knew the Warriors would come back and play better because they have the type of offense that you can't load up on with the player movement and the ball movement. And we saw a little bit more of that in game two. Yeah. Nah, for sure, man. The length the length and the versatility. I had Dunbar on. We were talking about the NBA Finals. And shout out to him. He predicted how the first two games were going to go, that Boston was going to take game one, that Golden State was going to take game two. But I think what was fascinating to watch is like how versatile they are defensively and like the switching. Yes. And I know like I, I don't really dive into the super analytic numbers mm. as much. I'm a big eye test guy. Got you. But one thing that was really interesting coming into this series was like on switches the warriors they shot the worst against the boston celtics Hmm. so like when the celtics would switch like if smart's on curry and then he'll get switched off to like jalen brown or he'll get switched off to al horford curry and the warriors still shot the worst they did against any team in the league so that was something that you saw super evident in game one it's like yo they're switching and it's like they're still struggling to get shots and what was wild about that game one and why I, I hate the overreactions, <laughs> right, right? right? We were talking about that before we started recording. And that's one thing that really drives me crazy. And it happened in my group, ch- group chat with all the guys. And it happened with just like social media. It's like after game one, it's like, yo, print the shirts, print the hats, get the parade ready for Boston, right? Because they come back, they score 40 points in the fourth quarter. Curry went bananas in the first half too. And it's like, oh, shit, this is a Curry game. And they still lost it, whatever it was. And they, they blow that lead in the fourth quarter. Right. And then in game two, you know, Poole gets going. Gary Payton comes back. It's like It took actually a while for Poole. It like, did, it, yeah. It took until the third quarter. Yeah, it was the second half where he second really half, like, took yeah. off. But even so, like, you get these guys to elevate. And now it's like, all right, well, Golden State's going to win the title now. It's like, dude, like, everyone ch- fucking chill. Like, just relax. Yeah. The over And I get it, right? Like, it's very similar to how I feel about draft coverage, right? Another thing we were talking about before we started recording, like, people love the draft stuff. Like, the lead up to it and the fall. Which is great. Is it? That people love the draft? Yeah, because oh, I it's think... it's great that people love the draft. Because yeah. people pay attention, to, like, maybe... People who aren't college basketball fans, especially if one of their teams is tanking, they now have to pay attention oh, to college basketball. Dude, you're looking at an example right here. Anytime the Knicks have a top five pick, that's the most college ba- or, or the years where, I mean, it's been a lot of years, but the years where the Knicks are like, tank for Zion or tank for this guy, tank for whoever. You start going to the college tape, right? I start watching a little yeah. more college. I'm not excited to, but it's like a Tuesday night. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll throw on Duke. They're playing. Like, I'll just have it in the background or I'll read up on these guys and see because, yeah, like you said, my team's invested. I get it. But the thing that drives me crazy about draft coverage is the fallout from it. It's like, oh, this guy, you know, bad pick by the Blazers. And it's like, do we really know? Like, do we really know? Yeah, you have an idea. Maybe if... You're saying before they even step on an NBA court? B- before they step on anywhere. Like, yeah. that stuff to be like, oh, they got, you know, Blazers got a D-. minus. It's like, really? How, how do we know? How do we truly know? Now, yeah. I get it if 
if like in the NFL, if the Kansas City Chiefs, they got Pat Mahomes, if they take a quarterback in the first round, you'd be like, all right, that's pretty fucking stupid to do that. That yeah. I get. But when you're taking a lineman or you're taking a point guard and you need a point guard or you're taking a, a, a big and you need a big, do you really know? No. And that's the thing. A lot of times I'll say he sh- they should have drafted this guy. Not that, oh, that's a horrible pick because you never really know all the way until they get on an NBA court how they're going to play. Often I'll just be like, they should have took this guy. This guy made sense to them, and they didn't. I thought that was a mistake. Right, because of the fit, maybe, like, you know, they already have a primary ball handle. Well, with tanking teams, you, I think you mostly go best available anyway. But I do see what you're saying in terms of fit for some, maybe, like, in the middle of the first round and late first round when you need a guy. And to your point, I mean... NBA players are coming in more ready than ever, especially even on the defensive side. Like we see guys like Cade and Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes and even some guys who are drafted later in the first round and the second round. A lot of these guys could help right away for some good teams. So that's been really interesting to see. Like even with the Warriors, like we're not seeing a lot from Kaminga and Moses Moody, but those two guys like helped them at points this season. Yeah, especially when some of those guys went down. Yeah, yeah. Nah. But I think a lot of that has to do with AAU. Hmm. Right, it's the same thing. Like in college football, guys come into the league now, and quarterbacks are throwing for four thousand yards immediately. Like in the past, if you were a quarterback and you got drafted, like not even too long ago, bro, like a decade ago, you came into the league, you would have to sit for like a year or two, or you know, you wouldn't start right away. Now, if you're a rookie quarterback, you're in the first round, and you don't start week one. It's like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Like, damn, y'all, we fucked up. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's weird, but a lot of that is because like in college now they run a lot of like pro style systems and like spread off, which they should, which they should, right? Because it make like all these years you're looking back and like, yeah, we should have been doing that from the beginning. Now all these schools are doing that. That's why guys are coming in right away. Like rookie wide receivers are coming in and lighting shit up. Like Jamar Chase did, Justin Jefferson. These guys come in, and the same thing in the NBA. Guys come in as rookies. And yeah, maybe the first like month or two, like Anthony Edwards, your boy. I know that's your guy. First month or two, a little, little shaky for him. And then after that, once he figured it out, people dude were was calling. It up. People were calling him a bust after like the first week. I'm like, are you guys serious? Well, that's the thing, man. Cade too this year. Yeah, like Cade's even, another one who came in friends, a little. He, even friends of mine that know ball, they're like, he'll be in Europe in three years. I'm like, bro, stop. Please stop. This guy is the real deal. Like if you just watch the way he plays and the poise he has. And the way he gets his shot off and just the leadership, I mean, this guy's going to be a great player. So, yeah, there's a lot of overreactions when it comes to the playoffs. There's a lot of overreactions when it comes to the draft. And there's just a lot of overreactions in sports in general. And in, and for people like us who are in the business of creating content, it's dope. It's yeah, cool. I, I guess it gets people going. It, it's not the thing I'm the most excited about, but I understand it. So you feel like people enjoy crazy takes more than in-depth analysis or intelligent analysis? Have you watched talk talk sports lately on TV? Yeah, I saw. I'm not even. I think that's the general public, but there's probably niches for more of in depth analysis, right? Listen, I I I have friends and people I used to do podcasts with, and and podcasts that I would go on, and immediately they'd be like, "Yo, fuck ESPN and fuck all these places." Like, I'm not that. I'm not that person, right? I don't watch any of them, but I'm not that person. Right, right. Me neither. Television now, sports TV, has become 1990s talk radio. Yeah. Caller calls in, like, uh, you, and you just start yelling at him. Yo, like, the, I mean, if you see some of the guys, and shouts to everybody who's on all the big platforms, but it, is, it really is getting like that. Like, even more so in the past month or two, I think. It's the godfather of this is Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless created the hot take culture. 
Wow, you think so? Absolutely. He is the godfather, the father, the president, the prime minister, whatever, the pope of hot takes. Okay. If okay. you line it back up well, I, to when he became Skip Bayless a personality. Right. He would come on after uh, early LeBron James Cavaliers run. This is like Larry Hughes and, and Booby Gibson on the team and Elgowskis. And he'll come on and say... Yeah, but LeBron let them down. LeBron just had 48, 17, and 10. How do you let him down? Well, he missed that free throw at the end. It's like, the team scored 90. He scored 47 points. And then what would happen is, and I got some people that I know in the media that he tweets, and then he'll see what spikes up, like what gets the most engagement, and then he'll run with it. That's how the whole LeBron is overrated. LeBron is not the best player. All the LeBron slander from him. Is justified by like the money he's made, the the persona he's built, and this hot take culture is all because of Skip Bayless. Fluency often gets conflated with truthfulness. That's a bar. Yeah, because I think a lot of times when somebody's a great speaker, people believe what they're saying. Oh yeah, I mean, like some of the smartest basketball people might not be the greatest communicators, but what go what's going on in their brain is actually what's going on in the court. So when somebody is such a great speaker, people might believe them because they're great speakers and it sounds like it's right. But also on the other hand, I think a lot of those guys, they're too smart to really believe what they're saying, right? It is for the clicks. Like Skip Bayless, and I was talking in general, I wasn't talking about Skip right there, but he strikes me as a smart guy. So I don't believe that he believes everything he's saying, right? Well, you also got to remember that this is this is television, right? So what is television? It's entertainment. Yeah. A lot of times those segments are, to use the wrestling analogy, it's, it's scripted. Like, yeah, maybe I don't believe that Jason Tatum, I would take Jason Tatum over Steph Curry. I probably would right now, but just for the point of this example, Maybe if I was starting a franchise, I would want to take Tatum. But for this episode today, Combo is going to take Tatum. You're going to take Curry. Wait, 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 wait. Say that again? I'm saying these shows plant segments to be a debate. So even right, if right, you right, right. say both of us right, think right, that 100%. Curry is the better player, they're going to be like, producers are going to say, no, Combo, today you're going to take the Curry side, you're going to take the Tatum side. So even if I don't believe it, I have to put on... It, it, the act. No, you're 100% right. And because it's, it's television. That's where I was going at with that. Do you feel like you could do that? Yeah, I could. There's been times on the show where I've done that. Okay, okay. I and, just I've feel done, and I'll tell you when I've done that. When when we do like player awards at the end of the year, or like my friends Oh, because you could still like, praise somebody else that might not Yeah, have. because it'll be like, it's also a whack-ass show of me and you come on. And it's like, all right, man, who's the best offensive player in this series? Marcus Smart. Marcus I think we Smart. agreed a lot on our awards, actually. But that was a dope show anyway. But we also made <laughs> we also made cases for other guys, and there yeah, was one yeah. I remember where where we dis disagreed on. Okay, but, but I think like a lot of times, what I would do is, all right, if the consensus MVP is going to be Jokic, all right, so then who else would you pick? Right, you create these little talking points around it. See, that would be my issue. Like I feel that, and I had Jokic beforehand. I had Jokic during yeah, the Jokic, season. when I had you on in like November, because I asked you, I was like, yo, it's Curry and Durant. Who you got? You're like, yo, I got Jokic. Yeah, and I got Jokic, Jokic ever. So if I'm truthful with myself, it's going to be hard. I had Jokic preseason. I have Jokic after season. But now we get in a meeting and everybody has Jokic and I got to pick somebody different when I thought this guy was MVP all year. It's like not being true to yourself in a lot of ways. 
But I guess a job's a job, right? No, yeah, but I, I think you in that example in particular would be an exception because your case would be like, well, welcome to the party, yo. I've been telling you guys this since, since September. Yeah, right, right. I told you this in November, December. You're catching on now in March? Congrats. Yeah, exactly. So that's a different approach there. So I guess if I kind of think two people are close, I can maybe uh, look at some points. Like if I was almost like his lawyer, right? The yeah. other guy's lawyer and see what... You know, to well, convince people. Also, the big mistake that happens is just because I'm saying one guy is the MVP doesn't mean that I'm shitting on the other guy's season. 100%. And that's a big misconception that goes Bro, down. You know what? Another thing in sports, everybody's great or everybody's horrible. It's no in between. Like when I think about Rudy Gobert, they go, his hands are horrible. No, they're not horrible. Are his hands great? No. It falls somewhere in between, but you never hear anybody say that. Yeah, it's complete two polar right. opposite sides of the spectrum. It's right. Like, he doesn't have absolute butterfingers. Does he have the best hands for a big in the NBA? No. Sometimes players just fall in between. Like, there are average shooters. There are average finishers around the rim. There are average passers. There's probably a lot of them in the NBA, actually. But nobody ever says, yeah, he's not bad. He's not good. He falls kind of somewhere in between. Bro, we got we went on a tangent so much, and I like it because this is, this is some good content. But I want to pivot back towards the finals just to get back on track. As we move forward, game three, game four, now it's mm. going to go into Boston. I feel like home field, home court advantage for these particular two teams is going to play a big role. And even though they split in Golden State, Bro, is there something crazier in sports right now than when Curry hits like three shots in a row and you see the Golden State crowd react to it? You would think like it's like the game-winning shot for for the finals. Like it's just, I know we're in the finals now, but I'm talking about like it's the game seven buzzer beater. Like the crowd goes fucking wild when he hits like three shots, four shots in a row. To be honest, I see some of the fans and they take some of what he does for granted. Like... Some of the shots, yes, they do go crazy, but sometimes they'll hit like a 35-footer, and, and they've seen it back. so much yeah, yeah, yeah. that they're kind of like, it looks like he just made an open layup. because That just speaks to his greatness. Like He's yeah. hitting like tough, tough shots, but we've seen him do it so much that I feel like sometimes the fans take it for granted and they could get even crazier. But when it comes to the Warriors, I do think their home court is a tremendous advantage. But actually, in the playoffs this year and in the, in the, in the few years past, I feel like home court advantage isn't as big of a deal as it used to be. A lot of that is because of the three-point variance. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I've been harping on the three-point shot being such a game changer for right. so many reasons. Right, like, like nine points is nothing. It's three shots. Yeah. And we just shoot a lot more of them these days Yo, at a higher to, clip. When you, used to be, when you were down 16 in the middle of the third quarter, it was over. You were like, it's all right, fact. yo, Tatum, sit down, man. We'll, we'll, we'll pick it up next game. No problem. That's a fact. Now it's like, yo, you hit three shots. Back in it. It's a seven-point game. You're back in it. And that's mostly what we're shooting. We're mostly shooting threes or we're getting to the rim for a layup dunk. And obviously with the analytics, we want to get to the free throw line as well. It's a new NBA, man. Yeah, it's it's a gift and a curse, right? Like it's it's dope because your team's never really out of it. But it's also whack because you get these blows. Like for as good as yeah. game two started, it ended up being a double-digit win again. And the theme of all these playoffs have been double-digit wins for, for, for all the sides. They won by 19 yesterday. I think the rest factor comes into it. There's going to be more space in between games in these NBA finals. So 
I think there's going to be some closer games though, because I think it was a combination of that and the three-point variance for these blowouts. Though we we had, we had talked about it with uh, with Nick on the last pod. Shouts to Nick, man. Shouts to him. He, I was trying to get him to come on, but he had work today, so unfortunately he couldn't because he's like, yo, I got to get on with Combo, bro. He's like, I got to get on yeah, with Combo. Yeah, we definitely. Nick's a good dude. Um, <laughs> but we had talked about it with the schedule because you brought up the rest. Now, it's three days rest between games one and two. Two and three. Yes. But then game three and four is two days rest. Right. So they're going to play Wednesday and then Friday. And right. then you have the travel in between again going back to Golden State. So that's going to be interesting to see how that looks. Because now you've had the three days rest for each team. Now you're going to go normal NBA kind of schedule where it's like, you know, you play Wednesday and then play Friday. I just, I just found that a little interesting. I don't know what to make of it yet. I'll probably have more answers after the fact, but... That was something that jumped out to me when I was looking at the schedule. Nah, that's a fascinating point. I want to shift gears a little bit yeah, with this series. I don't feel like either of these teams are championship, championship level teams. And I'm always a guy who's forward thinking, looking for the trends moving forward. I love the minor game. I think the average NBA player is a lot closer to the superstar than ever before. I think we have so much great talent. But these teams don't feel like the bad boys Detroit Pistons. The Chicago Bulls, the Lakers, Showtime. They don't even feel like the Warriors, right, of the past. Like this Warriors team is not of the same level of prime Warriors with mm. Steph and healthy Clay and Draymond who shoots it a little bit and role players like Iguodala and Sean Livingston. Neither of these teams strike me as true NBA championship level teams with championship DNA. But hey, one of them is going to win a championship and you can't take that away from them. Hmm. It's going to be hard to comprehend the championship DNA if the Warriors win it because they've won championships. But I get what you're saying. But somebody though. has to win it. Yeah, now. I get what you're saying because this is not like Clay Thompson is one of the things I wanted to talk about too. He's not looking that good. And yesterday they're up 25 and they're leaving him in there. And I heard it was either Van Gundy or Mark Jackson was like, well, they're leaving him in on purpose to get some rhythm. And he was still like, you know, he's taking shots with, with like 18 seconds left on the shot clock, and they're up 20 points, and it's like, we want to get him in rhythm. We want to get him feeling good. And, dude, if you look at the playoffs with him, you take away that, that game five that he had. Yeah, he was showing glimpses last series. Yeah, like you take away that game five, it's like, oh, I don't know, man. It's not the same play. And, look, we got to remember, dude had two devastating injuries back-to-back. So we didn't see him play for like 20 months, 24 months, however long it was. What do you make of Clay, bro? Because I feel like he's earned he's earned the right to be out there with them. Is it going to be a ballsy-ass move to like bench him? Not not to like not start him, but I'm saying like crunch time, you know, he's... What do you make of that? Don't bench Clay. You can't because of the gravity he provides. Even when he's missing, you have to guard him. And as you said, he's built up enough equity. With yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's built course. up enough equity with this team where you have to keep him in and just the gravity he provides. Kerr has to play him. Like, just from the chemistry that him, Draymond, and Steph has, I don't think you should bench him when it comes down to it. And, you know, he's playing hard on defense. And also, you never know when he's going to catch fire as well. And he could just win you a game in a quarter. Like, yeah. Clay is one of those guys in this series that could definitely do that. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get my words misconstrued. I'm not saying to like bench him for game three or four. But I'm saying like, if there is a game where he's one of nine, like, do you maybe pull the plug? And you're like, damn, yo, you're, you know, it's a, it's a two score game. Like, you know why? Also, that hurts K 
chemistry moving forward. And for also, you, you also break his confidence too, right? Can't do it. You got to yeah. gotta go forward with Clay. I, I know he doesn't look like the same Clay, but I think you have to play him just from the gravity he provides and that chemistry he has with Dre and Steph. He is their DNA. Like we talked about DNA, like he's a huge part of their DNA. And uh, I think he just has to play. I want to. I'm. I'm still thinking about what you said about these teams not feeling like championship teams. Do you? Do you mean like? Because you see teams win titles, and unless they blow it up like Toronto did, where I mean the blow up was like losing Kawhi was their best player. So obviously you're gonna have regression there. Yo, that was crazy what Kawhi did, right? Just fly in, win a championship, gangster, bro. Fly out. We took that. Granted, yo, that was crazy, bro. Shouts to Kawhi, man. He was like, "Yo, I don't want to play in San Antonio no more. Trade me." And everyone's like, "Well, is his knee right? Is he the same player?" Goes to Toronto, is like, "Yo, I'm not playing back to backs. When I want rest, I want rest." Played like 60 games, then wins the championship for Toronto. Toronto of all places, which was Savage, always bro. like Toronto was always known in basketball circles as like a dope ass basketball town. It's known in all circles as a dope-ass town, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, like, it was always, like, Toronto was, it just sucked that you had to, like, go through TSA and go through, like, uh, customs to get there kind of thing. Like, all the border patrol and because it's in a different country. Right. Like, Toronto was always, like, a really dope-ass place to play. And then he goes there, just wins a ring, and then he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm out. I'm going to L.A. I'm telling you guys I'm leaving, though. Like, don't be surprised. Drake couldn't get him to stay, but he got him in his video. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. But but if you think about every team, like even if the team went to the finals, like those Cavs teams, like that core stayed together, they made the finals every year. Golden State won back to backs. Like to me, a question that I asked Nick last week, and I, I feel like I should ask you, if you're a Bucks fan, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, are you a little sick? Are you a little like, yo, we we would have been here if Middleton didn't get hurt. And I get it. Yo, woulda, coulda, shoulda. How many people have won championships because someone got hurt? We were just talking about Toronto. They, The Warriors lost Durant and Clay in that series. So I get it. In every championship, there's a, a footnote of, all right, well, this guy got hurt or that guy got hurt, right. whatever it might be. And then there's on the flip side, it's like you lost those titles because your, your guy got hurt too. So I get that. But you're a little sick if you're Milwaukee. And I was, that was something I was looking at when, you know, there was a stretch where Boston only scored from the free throw line for like four minutes. And then Golden State was just cold. And I was like, I know Golden State, they got the cachet of being like the Warriors. And it's still this, they're in the same generation as they once were. And then like Celtics, the, the lineage of Boston. And, you know, Tatum is an up and coming. I mean, not up and coming. He was all NBA first teamer. Like he's one of the six best players in the world. I still felt like Milwaukee should have been in this, and Milwaukee should have. Because these teams, they, they seem to, like, you make it back to the finals. Or yeah. You make, you know. I mean, when Middleton was out, that effectively made Boston the best two-way team left, and I think they still are. Just they revert back to their old ways after wins a lot of times. Like, with Tatum, him not being a facilitator in this second game, which kind of started up their whole offense when it comes to the penetrated and kick, as I said earlier. So, and that was a big reason why I thought Milwaukee was going to lose against the Celtics because Middleton wasn't playing. He's a guy who could get that shot off um, in the mid-range and just give you effortless buckets when the offense isn't flowing or when the shot clock is going down. So that's why I had Boston winning that series because Middleton was out pretty much. And you know so much of winning a championship comes down to injury luck. We all know that. I mean, yeah, that's, that's pretty much everything. 
Yeah, it's a, it's not the hottest or who's playing well. It's who's available, who's healthiest. And and yeah, and we see with GP two is now available. That's going to help a lot. And Rob Williams doesn't seem to be the same mm. with his injury. So you know, till this day, right now in the NBA Finals, injuries play a big part. Game three in Boston. How do you feel like the two games in Boston play out? Does it go back to Golden State two two? Is it three one in either way? You're on it being a lengthy series, so yeah. if I'm reading you correctly, you're expecting 2-2, two, two, however we get there, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be a split. I think Clay will play better in one of those games and probably win it for them there. Well, it's guarantee you he's going to have a Clay game because I just brought up the idea of him <laughs> sitting or like pulling the plug on Clay. He's going to have a 30-point game and just like be the reason why they win. It's just, not, it's just always it's not going to be four games without one of those, you know? Yeah. And he is such an inflammable player, as I like to call it. Like, he could win you a game in one quarter, as we've seen him do before, and he showed glimpses of that against the Mavs. So I think it'll get back to that at some point. But we will see a lot better Boston team in Game 3. I think they're the better two-way team, but their mentality... Like, Draymond kind of bullied them a little bit yesterday, right? Oh, D. And I thought Miami was the tougher team. Not that the Celtics are tall or are soft, just that I don't know they're as, as tough as, like, the Miami Heat or a Draymond-sparked Warriors team, you know? And GP2 is super tough as well. We have, like, I think the Celtics' toughness is going to really be judged here because they are the actual better basketball team. But I do think with how inflammable Steph and Clay are and with GP2 back and just... There is a little bit of that championship DNA left with this with the Warriors. I don't think it's as much as it used to be. I think, you know, the Warriors are going to win in seven, and this will be a split in these next two games. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I thought it would be 1-1 going back to Boston, and then I had it more so like in six. I, I, did, I did bet Warriors in five just because, like, the number was too good. Like, the value was just like it didn't make sense. Like, when you looked at it, you're like, the, the difference in the value is significant. But lengthy series was the consensus. I like leaving series like if I was a fan of one of these, like if I was a Celtics fan, I'd be thrilled, right? You're coming back. You took one game in there. Like I'll be happy. So I like breaking it down in like spurts, right? And then obviously games five, six, and seven, it's flip-flop back and forth, which by the way is way better than what it used to be. Remember back in the day, it used to be like 2-3-2. Two, two. That was awful. That was crazy, right? That was horrible to have it like that. But I think what happens in Boston is I want to see what happens with uh, Williams, Robert Williams, because dude looks like he's in mad pain, bro. Yeah. Every possession, he just looks like he's getting banged up. And, you know, he only played 14 minutes, so I wonder how much of that is going to play into this. For as good as Horford was in game one, he was awful in game two. I think he plays better in game three. Horford? Like, yeah, yeah, Horford, those guys. It was interesting to see if – do you feel like Draymond Green got away with some of those calls because they were playing in Golden State? Yeah, and I think it's tough to eject Draymond in the middle of that game. I think that would have got a lot of backlash. If I you feel like if it's a regular season out, game – He's you, out of yeah, there, bro. Yeah. And that was, he that was he did that a few times yeah. in this playoffs where, like, yo, Draymond is really testing the refs right now. Like, he does not care if he gets ejected, it seemed like, and he just never did. Yo, I tweeted out when it happened yesterday, like, watching Draymond Green is hilarious. He's yo, there hilarious. was one play where Curry has the ball, and he has, like, a screen yeah, I on saw Tatum. That. <laughs> Bro, that looks he like... He looked like a tight end pulling, 
and like pulling to block someone yeah. like blindside and then he's like forearm shivering Horford and then Grant Williams is coming off the screen leaves Horford and we're talking about like he's not playing he's not sending this it's like he's bulldozing these dudes if you go to a pickup run and people are doing that it's that's what we call bad run yeah you're like, gonna, the fight's <laughs> gonna break out too People it, are gonna just, start swinging on yeah each it's other. not even basketball at that point but hey you gotta do what you gotta do to win a championship Draymond man there were so <laughs> many different things like you know uh, Grant Williams will hook him and then like Draymond has he's gotten his hand out of the hook and then he'll throw an elbow Draymond is he's a funny guy man shouts to what he's doing with podcasts because I think he's really pushing sports media forward with doing like in-depth analysis of his own team in the midst of a title run well I also think what's fascinating with him is him Richard Sherman also does some podcast mm. stuff in the NFL space and those are the two guys who I would pay to hear them talk and what I mean by that is because they're... Th- the only so- people I'd pay to hear talk is us. Veterans well, minimum and combos is- court. You heard? <laughs> you're right. You're right. It really... It goes a long way if you talk about the things you like talking about. Because the only way to stay consistent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the longevity of it. Like, you can't fake that funk for too long. No, 100%. You definitely have to talk. You definitely have guests you want to talk to. And that's what it's all about, man. Just being true to yourself. That's the only way to build consistency. To be true to yourself. What do you think happens in game three and four? It's a split. I think the Celtics probably come out better for game three, and they have a chance to win that one. And the Warriors will win it in game four, and it'll be 2-2 going back. I kind of feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, we're going to see a clay game, you know. Do you do you buy this notion of the role players ba- playing better at home? Like, do you think like a Grant not as much Williams? as it used to be? Nah, right. You know oh, why? Because yeah, you also said it too. Like the the role player is closer to the superstar than ever before. Exactly. That's another thing. Like, I think a lot of these guys are a lot better than uh, before. If you think about it, there's like a lot of guys who are right under that all star level. That if they were in the right situation, they could be all stars. Like, think about Spencer and Jalen from the Mavs. Like, when they're playing great, they're playing at an all-star level. And I think there's a lot of guys in that category like them. Nah, that's a fair assessment. Yeah. You're right. Like, also, how many guys in the league could get 30 if they had 25 shots a game? A lot of them. Yes, yes. That's a huge part of it as well. Um, I've heard lots of stories where players are like, they're on the scouting team, right, in practice. And they're that star on the other team. And they're playing his role. And they see that player doing things they've never seen him do before. Like, we didn't even know you could do this. Like, yeah, because I don't get the opportunity. You know? And since there's so many uh, middle-road NBA players that are closer to that high level than ever before, you know, it is really about who gets opportunity, you know, and in the right situation. Sh- situation means a lot. And there's so many great players in the NBA. And sometimes you just have to find the right place and time. Like, there's G League guys that could contribute to good NBA teams right now. They just haven't Bro, got pool, their... Pool's in the G League last year. Like, yeah. I mean, some of it, when you're young, you do need that development, and that de- it helps the development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, you're right. And I think the chemistry and what that organization is all about is such a smart organization. And also, Clay and Steph rubbing off on him a little bit helped him as well. That's a like, fact, yeah. he might not be able to do that somewhere else. Well, the situation is Yeah, the right? situation. Yeah, That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, and, he, he and he's been great. The, he and he has the talent, man. Three-level score, great for footwork. Sure. Could, could shoot it really well. But I talk about this all the time, too. So much <coughs> of your success is where you end up. 100%. 100%. Like, is Jordan Poole as good as he is now if he's on the Knicks? We, yeah. we don't know. Like, the Knicks have been a nightmare for t- two decades now. Some of these top five guys coming into the draft, it's going to depend on where they land. Like, I really wanted to see Chet in OKC, 
but I think he's going to land with the Magic now because I thought he could, like, the OKC really needed his rim protection to take them out of tank mode. I want to see Jaden Ivey with Detroit. That actually might happen. So it'll be interesting to see. But, uh, yeah, draft season. Probably get you on after that. Yeah. Be my draft insider. Yeah, we could do that. That'd be dope. Um, Last thing I want to ask you. Curry, Curry strikes me as a guy who I feel like he's heard all the buzz about him not being finals MVP. Mm. And it, it feels like he's playing that way. Like he's doing, he's been doing a lot for them, right? So don't get it twisted. And he needs to do a lot for them. Cause I feel like if Curry doesn't get over 25, like they have no chance of winning. But I think there's an extra like pep in his step. For these finals because of all the talking points of like that dumb take of like his legacy is on the line if he's not a finals MVP. Like to me, that's wild because yeah. you've won three titles, right? You've literally changed the game of basketball. And you, he probably should have won one. Yeah. And you've made the finals six of eight years. That's, that's what Jordan and the Bulls did, right? I know it's Jordan. Crazy. I know Jordan sat out those two years. I get that. But. Like you're talking about, like they dominated the 2010s and the early two. And you changed the game as we talked about. And you about changed before. the game. So when you tell me about his legacy because he doesn't have a Finals MVP, that's wild to me. I can't, I can't get behind that, bro. I can't yeah. get behind that. But I do feel like he's playing with a sense of urgency. Like I gotta go get it. Hmm. And I just feel like him. If the Warriors win, you're giving it to Curry. And if the Celtics win, I think it's going to Tatum. That's just yeah. how I feel. The the narratives, we like talking about narratives on the show, like the media narrative, the talking points, are, it's all going to be catered to those two guys. Yeah, I think you're right. But I would say whatever mentality he has right now, it's working. So if he is thinking about it, it's really helping the way he's playing. And if he's not thinking about it and kind of ignoring it and just doing what's best for the team, that's helping as well because he's playing great right now. And... You know, the Celtics fans said after game one, like, we're not going to maybe have Curry games like this every game, but maybe we will. And if he wins it in a fashion, playing the way he's playing now, maybe not for me and you. It changes what he is. We always knew he was great, but it will bring, like, the talking points to how great he is. Is he solidified top 10 now? Maybe in some people's list he'll get even higher than that because he has that finals MVP and he dominated a final series. Mm. Because it's what he's missing to some people. And perception is reality. Reality is perception, right? So it's going to help him. It's going to help his legacy. The f- like, I always thought it didn't really want- matter if he won the championship or not for him. It mattered the fashion in which he won it with. Tell me more about that. What do you mean? Because I like what like, you're saying about Because, like, to- so this has nothing to do with Steph Curry. Like, Robert Ori has seven championships, right? We don't look at him as the greatest player ever because he was a role player. It depends on how much... Of, of that an impact. Back, how much of that backpack you have on with those championships? Like Michael Jordan's six finals MVPs, you know, we, we know him as the greatest. So it's not actually, because it's a team sport. So it's how much of the baggage you actually lifted in those finals. And if he has one more finals like this, where he's heavy lifting and he wins another championship, it helps his legacy. I mean, his legacy is already great. He changed the game already, but I think that would help it even more. Let me ask you this one. We did an episode many, many years back, and this was when uh, Manu Ginobili retired. He's great, man. He's underrated. And we, I asked this question. It was an episode that I came up with, and it was Dirk versus Manu. 
wow, whose career would you rather have? And if you think about it, at first you might be like, oh, I'm going to take Dirks, right? Longer, longer career, uh, won a regular season MVP. He won a title. And the way he did, like he's like the he's the – He's the name you think of of a guy who won a title by himself, right? Exactly. That team was team that was helped very his legacy good. tremendously. Yeah, it's like yo, you took on. The, That's why you can't heat. compare. That's why you can't compare Manu to him, bro. So, but Manu on the flip side, like he made a, he made some All Star games. He was part of a big three. Yeah. Long over the span of time, he did a lot with that Spurs team, right? And and yeah, he was the sixth man, but like crunch time, he's out there, right? Like when the game was on the line, he's he's out there with Parker and Duncan and those guys. And he won multiple championships too. So it's like, whose career well, would you prefer? Or whose career do you think is better? The other, well, the one guy got all star appearances and he's won multiple titles, but the other guy was the man. Yeah, I like, think going into the backpack analogy yeah. that you brought up, I don't think there's a wrong answer. And I hate those kind of right. conversations where it's like, oh, well, you know, you play both sides of the fence. I get that. <laughs> but me personally, if if I settled into a manual career, like I wouldn't be miserable about it. Like that's a great not. that's a great career. You'd be the furthest thing from miserable. But, but I would I would pick a Dirk because like Dirk's peak a, was a lot higher, right? And he was the best player clearly on a championship team, and he definitely put that backpack on. And he's definitely higher all the time. In terms of style of play, I like Manu better, right? Mm -hmm. But Dirk is clearly better all-time player my favorite thing with like six five lefty euros in the lane yeah he brought some of that euro stuff to the league so Dude, seven footer that's like the first seven footer too. oh you're talking about dirt i was talking about oh, manu yeah yeah, yeah, yeah like i love manu's game like i might i might rather watch manu play but dirk is clearly better all time yo isn't it hilarious that anytime manu played they would talk, call it euro basketball but he was like from argentina <laughs> Oh, you know what it was because he played in Europe. I know, I yeah, know. Yeah, but it was yeah, just yeah, always yeah, funny. Yeah. It's like, yo, he plays that Euro ball. It's like, yeah, he's also Argentinian. Right, right, right. It was right, just right. always like a funny dynamic. Well, I guess like, and he did play in Italy before the NBA. Yeah. yeah. No, nah, it's the same thing. Like when you watch, you watch like uh, Barcelona play in soccer and they'll be like, yo, the, the European style of soccer. And you're like, well, they only have like two Spanish dudes on the team. Everyone else is like Argentinian or Brazilian right, right. or whatever it might be. Right. It might be a bad example now because it's everywhere, but... For the most part, it's just always like funny to hear. I guess it's just like people look at it as like American basketball and European basketball, but there's a lot of other great continents and a lot of other great basketball around the world. Yeah. I think this goes 2 2 back to um, Golden State. I would agree. But then I think it ends in six. With the Warriors? Someone's going to win it in six. I'm going to stay with the Warriors because I had the Warriors initially, but. I got to stick with my prediction of Warriors and Seven. Warriors and, I, and, seven. and it looks like we're on a good trajectory for that. So Yeah, when you have the split there. Yeah. It's fun, man. Hopefully we could get... I, I do feel like there's going to be a classic game, though. Oh, yeah. There's going to be like... Yeah, with the rest the, and everything. At the buzzer, yeah. like a 110-108 finish. Like, we need one, man. Hey, and if Steph Curry maybe gets a game winner in there, helps his legacy as well. It's funny that I keep saying helps his legacy, like his legacy isn't cemented. But No, but you're talking just, to the people that... Yeah. have his legacy questioned not even questioned maybe it just could get higher and sure, general could, consensus opinion of it, what happens like i do think this could help his legacy even more no matter how great we think about him now well it's it, it it's definitely going to help him if he wins another one right like let's not but it's also the fashion in which he wins it with right Absolutely. like what if pool and clay go off more than him these next few games like it doesn't help it as much if he's just clearly the best player on the court every game yeah you know but i feel like it 
it can only help his legacy, but to say that his legacy isn't like fulfilled without one. A hundred percent. He's he's cemented, man. He's one of the five most impactful players. We talked about this before. Like I always said it, I said it on this podcast and on podcasts before the international style of play analytics and Steph Curry are the reason why we play basketball the way we do today. So he's solidified, man. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. He's solidified. Easily. Combo. You're the man. Thank you for the gift. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got to show the that. people, man. I'll post that. Yeah. Yeah. Let me quick. <laughs> this, this is a first. I've never done this on a pod. While it's running. Let me get. While it's running. Hey. No, nah, this is cool, man. I'm going to get one of these done, too, for the studio. But I really appreciate this one. So I, you gave me stickers one time, too. I still got yeah. them over there. This is dope, man. I like what you're doing. I like how involved you are with stuff. Thanks for coming on. Anytime. I appreciate you. Uh, where can people find you, man? Find me on the Veterans Minimum, man. We're here. Combos Court, C-O-M-B-O-S, C-O-U-R-T, wherever you listen to podcasts. Twitter, Combos Court, same name as the podcast. Find me on Instagram, 12Combo, O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. You catch me often on that B-Ball Breakdown YouTube channel with live shows with Coach Nick and on the Believe in Magic podcast for the Believe Podcast Network. And shout out to the Veteran Minimum, man. I always love talking basketball with you, Nick. It's a pleasure, dude. Thanks for the gift. Thanks for your time. Being on time once again. Mr. 10 a.m. Hey, you know the quote. We got, hey, we got quotables every episode. I, I got to find some quotes for this one. Hey, Patreon <laughs> rundown. Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, Derek Platees, Devin Rendon, Jordan Riley, and Mike Wozniak. Thank you for your contributions. Veteransminimum.com. Finally, you could say that. The website is live. Go check it out. You can find everything you need for Veterans Minimum. This way, I don't need to promote 19 different things, Combo. I got one question for you. Holla at me. Would you rather be overrated or get the Veterans Minimum? I can't wait till the day that people are like, yo, he's overrated. Because I mean that I got the bag, bro. Being overrated is a good thing, man. If you're getting paid, <laughs> I can't wait to be overrated. Bro. I wanted to use that as a catch-in. Um, overrated better than being the better than getting the veterans room but I thought you would take that as a diss to the veterans minimum so nah, I didn't nah, I gotta no, I gotta use that as a caption no no slight at all man yeah being overrated could be a I'd good rather thing. be overrated than underpaid right yeah. I'd rather be overrated than get the veteran minimum uh, <laughs> we'll catch you guys next time <laughs> Later.